Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Today, your freelancer, so your freelancer's guide to living and retiring well is what we are talking about. Our guests this morning are Grace Ng, Director of the Education and Development at the National Arts Council. And also joining us is Edward Choi. He is a freelancer. They're just getting settled in their seats. So, Edward, hey. you are sort of, uh, I think, the blueprint for many of our listeners listening in and they're thinking they hate their banking jobs and they'd love to get out of it. Uh, so you were in banking and then you left and you've been an actor for 20 years. Uh, well, yes, uh, full time for 10. Uh, I left at the height of the financial crisis right. in 2009. So what precipitated that decision? The fact that Lehman and Bear Stearns had disappeared and so the business was terrible. No, uh, <laughs> I, okay, I'll be honest with you. It was really True. a bad job fit for me. Um, I, I reached a point where I realized I was waking up in the morning, looking at myself in the mirror, asking, why am I doing this in my life? Right. But you were pretty successful managing the portfolios of CEOs and everybody from CEOs to hawkers, I understand. Yeah, it, it was fun. I, I, I have to be honest with you. It, that was the best part of it, meeting these people mm. and being able to work with them and help them. But what I didn't like so much was, I think, the corporate structure. It really wasn't for me. And I didn't like uh, the way that banks necessarily have to work to make money. Mm. So that's, that's a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure yeah, so sure. I, I thought if I can't do this, I better not stay yeah, it's very brave, though, to take the leap into the freelance world. Or so those of us in the corporate side of things think. So it's wonderful to hear that NAC has come up with free, many of them online, resources to help freelancers not only work comfortably, sustainably, but hopefully plan for their future as well. So tell us a little bit about, uh, Grace, th- why we're seeing more of these online resources. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here and to be with uh, Edward today. Mm. So, you know, freelancing, we know that that's actually a very, very dominant uh, mode of work in the arts. And uh, our studies tell us that actually about half of those working the arts are freelancers. Wow. And that, you know, many of them, compared to their full, full-time or part-time sort of colleagues, mm. they actually face issues of you know, uh, late payment, insufficient insurance coverage and CPF. And we really felt that uh, freelancers needed to be informed and mm. be made aware of how to you know, put in place you know, measures that will help them sustain their careers mm. if they want to continue their artistic practice. You know, a lot of freelancers focus so much on their craft, on their practice, that they may forget, you know, these other things in order to have a viable career. So NEC, uh, you know, piloted an initiative called the Arts Resource Hub. Mm-hmm. It's really a very, very sort of curated uh, platform where we put together information on insurance, on training, on jobs, uh, legal support that's targeted and customised for arts freelancers. Terrific. And we're going to go through those resources. And sometimes I think it's not just awareness, but, you know, figuring out the legalese of things, the contract side of things, um, how to defend your rights as a worker or what you can ask for in terms of CPF contribution can seem daunting to a lot yeah, of people. Exactly. It's a lot to manage. Uh, Edward, if we could bring it back to you, um, how much... So here's a money question because mm-hmm. we're on Money and Me and listeners are invited to send in their questions as well. Sure. 
800-259-8893. So here's a question. How much should one have in the bank before deciding to freelance? So, you know, in terms of like six months emergency fund, or maybe you can speak from your experience, or how would you tackle this question? How much should you have in the bank before deciding to freelance? It actually is that emergency fund amount. It's anything from three months to 12 months, depending on how confident you are about the amount of work, the volume of work and the quality as in uh, how much it's going to pay of that work that's coming your way. Because if you're confident, okay, I'm going to have lots of work the moment I quit. Sure, have just have your own personal emergency three months fund. That's fine, right? But if you don't know, if you're jumping into the deep end completely blind, at least have that year so that if it takes you a full year to realize freelancing isn't for you, mm. you're not going to get in trouble. Mm. Yeah. So because there are costs involved with freelancing as well. People don't realize that, right? Mm. The space that you need to work in, for example. And NEC is helping out there when it comes to space? Yeah, so the initiative, we're uh, doing it in phases. So for now, there is an information a resource online. But actually, we're working on providing uh, some spaces in our existing sites like the Goodman Art Centre and also the Stamford Art Centre. Basically, the idea is that there might be hot desks, meeting rooms, and you know, for freelancers to just come, use the space, and also get to meet other freelancers because they also are resources and uh, you know uh, themselves, and they can offer advice. So we're really trying to provide an organic space for them to mingle and then to use the space. Is this already available? This it's coming up. Working space. Yeah, it's coming up. So we are hoping to uh, have it ready by January next year. So Fantastic. do look out for it. Wonderful. Well, what will be available, Edward, I understand you're going to host a two-hour session on sort of money and freelancing, right? So when you built this course from scratch, um, what, what, what were some of the areas, the pain points that you wanted to address? I think actually a lot of people, and this is from my colleagues, uh, when I sit down with them over lunch, you know, so we rehearse a show. Right, we've been performing, we've been singing, we've been dancing. We sit down and then outside of the show, they're worried about what's going to happen next week next month, next year, because people will start saying, oh, I, yeah, I'm booked for this, and I'm booked for that show. And then after that, in January, nothing. I've got nothing coming up. And I realize, oh my goodness, my co-workers don't have a plan for really if nothing comes up. There is no safety net. Most artists don't have, I think, the bandwidth to think about, well, I need to prepare a plan B for myself. You know, they're just so focused on what they're doing. They're so in the moment. And it's, it's a great thing, you know, that we, we, we really love what we do and we're, to the exception of everything else. But it's when we finish the show that we finally realize, hey, actually, I've got to pay these bills. And hey, actually, I've got no work coming out after two months later. I've got no more after that. What am I going to do in my life? Mm. So we do need to make sure that we have a plan for ourselves. If something really doesn't come up, you know, are we able to go two months, three months without work? Mm. You know, and mm. do we have a plan to find work for ourselves in that period to engage ourselves productively, constructively? So, Edward, you've been in the scene for 10 years, as you say. Has there been a change in terms of the freelance career scene and what you can expect? I'm going to speak from the viewpoint of an actor because that's what I am. And the opportunities for actors and the amount of pay we get for what we do has been steadily increasing. I'm very grateful for that. Great. I mean, I, I have a master's in theatre and my thesis was on the Renaissance City Report in Singapore. Mm-hmm. It started with Gu Chok Tong. The government pumped this incredible amount of money into the arts to make it... So today, the fact that I'm able to do this as a full-time job and have a living wage while I'm at it is the result of decades of investment by the government. 
we're seeing the increase of uh, the rise of freelancing, but nobody's really asking who's protecting their rights. You know, their employment rights in particular, how, how long you can expect to work for, do you get overtime pay? I mean, as an actor, do you have to negotiate for this each and every time? Yes, and they will make it difficult for you to ask for these things. They, it's a deliberately hostile environment. If you walk past 11.30pm, nobody's going to come up to you and say, oh, by the way, we're paying for your taxi fare because you stayed so late. Thanks so much for your hard work. No, they're gonna, just going to send you off. And then, and then if you ask for it, you're the troublemaker. Yes, and people don't want to stick their necks out. So right. I, I, there is a small minority of my co-workers who have been sticking their necks out very bravely and mm. I, I have to give credit to them for that. But very few people are willing to, to fight for our rights because... I mean, these are very basic things, you know. You call me at 6am in the morning, I have to take a taxi. You're not giving me taxi fare, what's going on? Mm. So it's things like that that we need to sort out. And we don't have a voice to advocate for us. That's weird. Other than our own. You don't have an actor's union? Uh, We've been trying, my goodness. Uh, So on and off... I think through the decades, there have been so many organizations that have come and gone. Uh, I'm involved with one that's coming up soon. They're not launching yet, so I can't talk about it. Okay. Uh, and it's always informal. Uh, but this time around, we try to get NTUC involved. Great. So if they do come on, then we do feel that there's something that's behind us that gives us a bit more of a voice mm. that allows us to exert a little more pressure because mm. otherwise employers really have the upper hand when it comes to dealing with freelancers and hopefully Tafep comes in as well yeah yeah. so what are the biggest challenges that freelancers face and how do you think that uh, this route can be made a little less bumpier Elizabeth mm. well well, what I have is really based on our studies and we know that you know uh, sometimes payment is late uh, the kind of um, <clears throat> insurance coverage may not be sufficient. Mm. Uh, CPF contributions, uh, you know, it's an, it's, a, it's an issue for many of them. Uh, and also that actually to make it work, many of them have to uh, multitask. You can't just perhaps be, uh, you know, just doing, say, an actor's draw, but you actually need to, to do different roles. And there's this idea of the multi-hyphenated uh, artist, like maybe you're an actor, dash producer, dash educator, etc. Yeah, maybe even doing technical stuff. Mm. So, you know, the, the idea of um, skill sets is very critical. And I think it can be challenging trying to juggle all these different roles uh, at any one time. And how then do you build the skill sets um, for that? And I suppose get adequately remunerated for that so that you're not just seen as the guy who can wear many hats. Just, you know, you see this in corporations as well. The best workers are often the most heavily taxed simply because you can do yeah. the work, right? So late payment, uh, CPF insurance. In terms of insurance and health insurance, Edward, I have to ask you, are you responsible for this solely or... You know, can you get health insurance based on the organizations you work with? How does this work out? So, if you allow me to be colloquial, um, it's own self settled. Ah. Really, you have to take care of yourself. Um, you Nobody's going to take care of you as a freelancer because they have no obligation to. However, and I thank God for this uh, and, and NAC for this, most theatre companies in Singapore will have insurance for you. Oh, wow. That's great. So, you know, you're doing a show with them for a month, two months, three months. They will have some sort of ac- uh, accident insurance, which came in useful, actually, uh, for my wife when she broke her toe. Oh, sorry to hear working that. Working on her show. And it, it was cool because they had insurance and they covered it for her. But this is insurance only relevant to you working as part of the show or That's on right. stage, in, in right? Yes. As part of your work. We so if you're no injured off outside of work, then it's own uh, self. Yes. Care. So we have no benefits 
we have to make sure that we can take care of ourselves if something happens. So if some sort of critical illness hits, we get a stroke, you get cancer, well, you know, if you don't have insurance, then you've got nothing. You're on your own. You're, it's your family and yourself. That's so in it. terms of insurance, right, what, what is key for you? Is it outpatient? Is it critical illness? Is it term insurance? How do you look at insurance? Uh, I think for, because people don't like to think of their mortality, right? I, I think for freelancers, the most superficial is personal accident coverage. Because I'm thinking, look, I'm in a musical. All right, I need to sing, I need to dance, I need to move. If I trip on something and fall and break my leg, then how? Right? Mm. I need to be able to be covered for that. Mm. And I need to be able to make sure that as I'm recovering, I have some form of income coming in for me because I can't work. So that you can recover. Yes. yes absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So personal accident insurance, um, any other types of insurance? Critical, insur- critical illness after that. Um, yeah. Because if it's an illness that's going to take you out for months, you, you definitely need, I mean, that there's absolutely no coverage for you outside of what you have for yourself, right? Absolutely. So we're seeing the calls come in, uh, 669-11893. We'll, we'll pick up the phone lines and see what you have to add to the discussion. Thank you very much for those calling in. You can also WhatsApp your questions at 9717-8893. So I wonder if you have any sort of real-life examples to talk about freelancers who don't quite understand investment. And I know that this is an area that you will be addressing in your two-hour talk. Let's give you a little plug for that. When is that happening? So that's happening December 9th at uh, Stanford Arts Center. That's right. At 7 p.m. Okay, we'll be sure to head down for that. And investment's one area that you're talking about, right? Yes. Um, Look, before we talk about investments, and this is something that any financial expert will tell you, you have to talk about debt. If you have debt, there's no reason for you to be investing until you Please don't borrow money and take a loan to invest. Unless you know absolutely what you're doing. No, don't do that. But people don't, don't, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Healthy disagreement here. Don't get into debt to invest is what I think. What do you think? You think it's okay? Uh, Okay, so so that's let's not let's not go into high level stuff. (laughs) Let's 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 think let's think with the if for example you have credit card debt. Clear that first. Yes, it's twenty five point nine percent or twenty six point nine percent per annum. It's loan shark level interest. So as a freelancer, you're busy, right? Then you forget to pay your credit card bills. It rolls over. That's it, no? And then on top of that, you have a late payment fee. If they don't waive it for you, that's another 80 bucks. It's a lot of money. So if you have debt, don't even think about investing. What what your investment's going to get get you? What? 3%, 4%, 5%? It's 25.9% if you don't pay your credit card bills. Student loans, those are very high. If you have a car, car loans are ridiculously high also. So clear all of those before even thinking about your debt. Mm. But it's the home loans, since we mentioned earlier. We're talking about leveraging, right? Mm. If... For example, like me, uh, I have an HDB loan. So that's at 2.5% mm. per annum. Mm. But I also bought a... Uh, I have a fixed income product, which is an MTN from Oxy Holdings. That pays 5%. So a what? An MTN? A medium term loan. Okay. So it, it's a bond. Okay. Uh, it, it's a fixed income product. And so if I'm getting 5% per annum from that, mm. but I'm paying 2.5% interest it's better to HDB, so I'm getting money from HDB to get the 2.5% interest, which matches the CPF payouts. Mm, Isn't very that great? clever. And because I don't get CPF, right? Oh. I'm a freelancer. Mm. Nobody's going to give me CPF. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. It's things like that. Mm. So that's 
I would say a bit high level. Uh. Yeah, la. no, yeah. I was talking about taking a loan out and then after that going to buy equities and gold. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Personal loans, my goodness, yeah, yeah. no, don't no, do that, 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 that's, that, that's, that's bad, so bad, <laughs> really bad. Personal loans, yeah, don't, don't take it. Uh, Edward Choi is a freelancer, he used to work in the banking scene, he's got a master's in theatre and he's been acting for about 10 decades. He left mm. banking, to, no? Yes, yeah? yes. 10 years, yeah. Ten Did years. I say months? Decades. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that would make him very old. Uh, ten, ten years. Uh, he believes that free. You believe that freelancers should be able to aim to retire with peace of mind. Mm. Uh, it would be nice to retire. Actually, hey, here's an interesting thing. Uh, mm. Most artists we speak to, and I, I was talking to Grace about this earlier, don't plan to retire. Is that true, Grace? Well, they're so committed to their practice that they just want to keep working at it. I mean, most of the time they don't think about it until something you know strikes them and they start thinking about it. So you should plan early, definitely. I mean, I'm sure that will be the advice. But if I could, I would act until my dying breath. Mm, yes. If I died on set, I'd be fine with that because <laughs> I would be doing. That's how we have insurance for that. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm doing something I love. Yeah. You know, I'm spending my life doing something I want to do. It's opposed to, you know, going to a job I didn't want mm. to do. So for freelancers, retirement is just this weird, vague concept. Why am I going to retire? I like this. Yeah. I want to do this. There's no reason for me to retire. That said, I think people forget that as you get older, you will have different needs financially. Yes, yes, yes. You want different things out of life. And it's nice to be able to save for that, to invest for that, and to plan for that. Right? Mm. And also, as we age, I uh, hate to breathe the, the wet blanket here and the wet dish, but you know, your chances of being affected by some sort of disability goes up as you age. And so most of us will spend at least three to eight years with some form of disability, whether it's your eyesight going or lack of hearing. And so you need to buffer for that as well, right? So here's a listener question that's just come in. As a freelancer, there are costs that uh, haven't been mentioned freelancers don't get a bonus they don't get leave they don't get dental they don't get insurance so what do you what is your opinion do you think that freelancers should include these as written costs in their fees nobody's going to pay you that you can ask but you won't get it, uh, I, I don't think Singapore is ever going to be an environment in which which will compel employers to give freelancers all these things mm. you know, I, I think he's saying you know write it down phrase it as costs yeah. Well, I'm wondering, you know, when you are kind of like managing your own career as a freelancer, it's being mindful that there are these other costs that you need to uh, incur. I mean, mm. and whether or not, you know, how you factor that into how you arrange the project that you take, how much fees you need. I think it's just being mindful that there are all these costs and that you should plan, you know, your portfolio projects uh, with that in mind. I think that that might be... Uh, something that's quite necessary. Actually, that's one thing I talk about in uh, the seminar that I'm giving. Mm. It's your expenses. You know, how much are you spending and how much are you saving? And then after that, how much are you investing? Do you have anything left over? Because if you don't, then, hey, we've got to adjust that spending thing so that you have room yeah. to save and you have room to invest. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. So in terms of advice, in terms of adding, or how would you factor these costs into the fees that you charge, Edward? Just charge higher. <laughs> Just say, these are my fees. <laughs> Reality check, right? Nobody's going to pay you more because you're, you're going to say, hey, actually, um, you know, I'm servicing this insurance. You know, I got to pay insurance premium. So can you give me $500 more for this project? Nobody's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So you have to plan that for yourself. The money, you have to be very disciplined in saying, I am going to set aside 20% of my income from this month 
for my savings. Mm. And then I'm going to set aside 10% for my investments. Mm. And that's not something that, that's negotiable. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. So you got to be tough with yourself there. Yeah. Okie dokie. Before we let you both go, Grace, I wonder if we can add off, uh, end off with a happy note. Those who may be unfamiliar with the Arts Hub and the Arts Resource Hub, do you want to point them to what sort of resources they'll be able to find there? Okay, sure. So um, look out for our website. You could just Google Arts Resource Hub mm-hmm. and you can find it. Basically, the information that's available there includes job opportunities, training, uh, financial uh, planning, advice on financial planning, insurance, and also other resources. I mean, you know, things like templates, and also, you know, as freelancers, sometimes it get it can get quite lonely and challenging. Mm-hmm. How do you take care of your mental health and well-being? Mm-hmm. So there are all sorts of different resources. Yeah. So and also physical resources that's coming up in January. So look out for that. Goodman Art Centre and Stamford Art Centre. Co-working spaces. Yes, huh? co-working spaces. And we're always looking for uh, feedback because this is a pilot initiative and we do want to continue to make sure that it responds in a timely fashion to the needs of uh, freelancers. So, so do let us know if you've got any other ideas or suggestions. That's great. Oh, yeah. one thing I should add mm. is that there are also personal journeys that freelancers have shared and that's also available online. So you can really see the different challenges that they face and I mean, Edward has been uh, fantastic in sharing his experience. So do mm-hmm. attend uh, his talk that's coming up on the 9th of uh, December. It's called Maximizing Your Money. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, Edward, you were a former banker. This show is all about money. So I want to end off with, with uh, maybe an atypical question. How much do you really need to start investing in your opinion to start? Okay, I, and I'm going to say this very honestly. You need 100 bucks a month. That's all you need. And if you can't spare 100 bucks a month, what are you doing with your life? Right? You start a regular share savings right now. Right now, just do regular share savings, buy an ETF, get the SCI ETF or buy a blue chip that you know will never disappear. Something like the SGX or uh, some government-linked company. Look, if you don't invest and you're a freelancer, where are you going to have your money when you're 65, when you're 70? You you need to be tough on yourself. Mm. So if you... Start that regular share savings right now. That's money that's going out of your bank that you'll never see and you won't have to look at until you need it. Fantastic yeah. advice. And where can we catch you doing the thespian thing? Oh, right. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, I, I just finished uh, You're in Town. So oh, wow. That was pandemonium. fantastic. Yeah. yeah so uh, you won't see me on stage for a while, uh, but you might see me on screen very soon. Uh, I, I host a TV show. Uh, for kids in which I drop slime on them while insulting them. It's called Word Waste or Slime Pit. That sounds like my dream job. <laughs> He's got a really varied career, I can see. It's insulting fun. children from a master's to insulting children. Fantastic. I get paid to do it. It's, it's, it's a wonderful life. No, this, people ask me, why do you quit being a banker? Guys, <laughs> look at what I do for Just a living. slime kids. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining. It's been a fun discussion. Grace Sung is Director, Education and Development, NAC, and Edward Choi is a freelancer and we've been discussing money matters and freelancing before acting on the information on money fm please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives financial situation and risk tolerance to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the sbh radio app available on google play or the app store